Hey everyone, welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the space where we talk about life after the offer letter. But every now and again, we talk about life before and during the offer letter. And because of that, I have on a very, very special guest. I have on Erin, a career strategist, uh, better known as at Talking Shop with Erin. And she is someone I was connected to through Instagram, of all places. But she helps women feel more confident and in control of their careers. And she gives truly the best advice that it is baffling to me that she didn't and doesn't work in HR or recruiting. Um, But in this episode, we get into why she has had to learn the tools of the trade, being a first-generation college graduate of her family, what it is like trying to navigate multiple, multiple clients through the great resignation, and finally, how to keep your sanity at work and during the job hunt. I'm really excited for this episode and for the next few, where it is just dedicated to people trying to find a job. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for being here. I've been looking forward to speaking with you for a very long time. Hey, Jasmine. I'm really excited to be here. And I want to tell everyone how we met. So I get this DM from this very lovely girl and you just said some really complimentary things and you didn't even ask me to look at your page or at least that's not how I remember it and I just happened to go to it because I think your the name of your name said something to the effect of like your job strategist so I was like oh let me look at it and I was like what the like this girl is legit like she's not doing the sass lighty like you go girl leave his ass like it was very helpful advice. So, but I just want to kind of hear your side of that story too, because I promise it's going to come back full circle in the fact of how networking can be not awkward and truly built on mutual respect and connection. I love it. Yes. Okay. So I was moving to Dallas. Um, My partner and I were living in Austin at the time. We were moving to Dallas. And so I started following you just from like a personal standpoint as far as like, well, you know, who are people in Dallas who can like give me an idea of like what it looks like in the city? So like, honestly, it was just kind of like Googling people in Dallas. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this person here. And then it was like, as I was following your content, it was like, super clear to me that you had, I think, some of those same values where there was something really driven by authenticity and trying to, you know, exist in the world in a way that like felt representative of who you want to be and who you're growing into. And so I continued following you even after we moved because it was like, well, I like this person. And if I ever ran into her, I think we could be friends. (laughs) And so, you know, here we are today. No, um, but I, I DM'd you because I remember specifically you had posted in your stories about uh, not doing free work during interviews. And this is one of my pet peeves is these people who request that candidates do this free work, whether it's like a small thing or a huge project. And you had this very strongly worded uh, story that said, don't do this. And I remember DMing you just 
I think on instinct was just like, yes, <laughs> I need to just talk about how I don't like this. So happy to see someone else in the, in the, um, I guess sphere, you know, the job search and career coachy sphere, yes. um, you know, it also is against this type of thing. So I reached out thinking like, I'm just going to say, Hey, I really agree. Love that you said this and also love your content. And I just find you to be like an inspiring person. And now here we are. And, and now I'm your biggest fan and I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm the one who's like, we have to hang out and we're friends. And I'm, I'm definitely more of the fan girl, but it's interesting. Okay. Did you uh, I want to start there because I've really been giving a lot of thought recently into the different ideologies and ideals that we're conditioned to believe are normal and healthy, and they simply are not. Specifically, I've really been thinking about the idea of quote unquote paying your dues, and I think that has a lot of toxicity in it. Um, And this is coming from somebody who I have absolutely said that, believed it, regurgitated it. And in the last few years, I've thought that is like, it's, it's like a different way of saying like bootstrapping, which is also bullshit. So client projects for people who may be like, what are they talking about? Especially if you're not in a business setting. And I just had a client deal with this. People will essentially ask you to do projects for free projects that can take up to a week and you are not protected at all. People can steal your ideas. I don't give a fuck if you sign an NDA like or anything like that. You you are putting yourself in a vulnerable position and I think we really only recently are acknowledging that that's never been healthy for candidates, but it's not healthy now. Um how did, but have you always thought that? Have you seen an evolution in the way that you think about how candidates should be treated? Well, I think that, you know, my, my impression of what it, you know, getting the request to do free work during an interview, I think just for me has always felt icky. Um, yeah. And I remember during my, one of these um, jobs when I was looking to make a leap to a, a director role, they asked me to do a full plan, a strategic plan for them. And this was, I mean, by the time I was done and I was, I don't know, I was 27. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was, I think, before I really started to understand like, oh, there's a little bit of a power dynamic here. And if I'm not being paid and I'm giving you, basically, I'm giving you my intellectual property for free. Exactly. And having that experience of them taking it, not offering me the role and then learning later. And I think we actually talked about this in the DM. Um, We later learning that they used that strategic plan and feeling so upset and so just like, I I mean, I couldn't believe it. Uh, And so obviously since then, it's been a huge, like a, a bright red line in the sand, do not cross, you know, I wouldn't recommend anybody do that. And it's because companies can very easily, just as you said, you're not protected. They can take what you give them and you're kind of, you're out of luck. Completely. And you're not compensated and you, and it's really also a red flag because if they're willing to treat a candidate, somebody who they should be on their best behavior with, how do you think they're going to treat you when all when you can smell all the dirty laundry like it in every company I've where I've done a free project is a place where I have been overworked so 
Yeah. And one of the clients I work with now, we do pay our candidates. And guess what? It shouldn't be a novel idea. It's almost weird that we were now like <laughs> we're applauding a lot of employers for it's like you know how we hold men to like such a low standard <laughs> the bar is on the floor yes. and everyone's like great yeah i love him oh my god he texts me back and yeah. it's like this employer they treat me with respect like the mm-hmm. girl not even on the floor that shit is subterranean exactly (laughs) exactly in hell Um, (laughs) no but I think that I think you're really right because there's this huge movement now post not even post COVID like uh, the ongoing effects Mm -hmm. of COVID where there's been this surge of people saying actually you know what no I'm not going to do this and that's not just with interviewing but everywhere right people saying actually I'm not going to work 70 hours for the pay that should be for 30 because you were underpaying me to start with. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go find somewhere else. And with that, I know the great resignation. Are you familiar with what everyone? Okay. So Mm -hmm. for those who aren't familiar, essentially, we believe that this fall, there will be the great resignation that we are going to see about 48% of people leave their jobs, even if they don't have anything lined up because people are fed up with being fed up, being treated like shit. And a lot of employers are making their workforce go back into the office after proving for over a year and a half that our jobs can be done from home. And while I understand hybrid models, I think it's been really discouraging and demoralizing to a lot of teams who are like, we, we, you're not even giving us any flexibility. I know people who now have to go back into the office five days a week. And it's almost like COVID didn't happen. And Mm -hmm. I think employers are going to be in for a rude awakening that people have options and people are ready to explore those options. A hundred percent. And then you think about Everything that the that the pandemic put on women specifically, oh like God. I don't I don't have kids, but when I think about what moms went through this pandemic with no childcare because schools are shut down, mm-hmm. no daycares because those are shut down, and then the demands of working, not even just forty hours, but moms are working way overtime, and we know that moms do more a share of the housework just because we're women, right? Mm-hmm. And so thinking about everything that goes into that. And that's not even to say for for Black women, for Latino women who are just like left behind by every section of society anyway. I can't imagine that employers would be able to get through this scot-free without women saying, you know what? I'm actually done here. You can find somebody else. <laughs> because fun. they can. Exactly. Exactly. And with the great resignation, obviously we know a ton of people are going to be searching for jobs and you know, we actually got to start off on like a high note, but I would love to back up just a little bit. Tell everyone about what you do and how you became a job strategist. Sure. So yeah, my experience with basically, I don't know, job searching and how I view job searching today started out of necessity when I was graduating from college. So I was the first person in my family to go to college and my parents because they hadn't had the opportunity to go, they also didn't have any access to the connections or the knowledge about what happens after you graduate. You know, when we're sending people into the quote unquote professional world, my parents didn't have the knowledge base to share with me about that. And I went to college, but 
I think like many folks who did, you kind of get this perfunctory 30 minutes with your career advisor, and then it's a pat on the head and a template, and here you go. And so, you know, given that I felt totally, I mean, alone and also just out of my depth, I committed to learning how to do this. And I have a strong writing background. I've always been a really skilled writer. I got my bachelor's in journalism. I got my master's in PR and corporate communication. So in learning about job searching, I was approaching resumes and cover letters and even interviews maybe a little bit differently than someone who is in a, a strict recruiting background. So to me, I'm looking at these things like, oh, these are storytelling documents. These are marketing pieces. These are ways to be extremely strategic about the information that you're including basically to sell a product. And it's unfortunate that like we live in a world in which you as a worker are a product. Uh, we can talk about capitalism maybe another episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, really learning how to sell your skills and your expertise so that an employer sees the value in them. Um, and this is probably why I'm so in love with your content because – and if we have talked about this, forgive me, I must have forgotten. That's literally exactly what I got my like, a degree in journalism with a focus in PR and communications, corporate communications. So very, it all makes sense now. And when, and I, I had a dad working in HR, so I definitely had that leg up of his perspective. He's very old school. <clears throat> like he stayed with his job for 25 years, got the watch, all of that. And I think the first time I showed him my resume, it had color on it. And he's like, what is this? No. <laughs> so, you know, we definitely come from two lines of thinking. But I remember when I was making the switch from advertising into human resources, I was like, okay, I'm just going to treat this like another marketing campaign. And that's the thing I wish more candidates understood. I think because at least I thought – HR folks and recruiters had this special language and that it was like learning. I needed to learn a new code. But really, at the end of the day, it's a human. Well, sometimes it's AI, but for the most part, (laughs) after a certain stage, it's a human reading this resume. And I think people psych themselves out. So why do you think people psych themselves out? And what advice do you have for people who are perhaps overthinking the job hunting strategy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge piece of it is overthinking. And I think a big piece of what leads to that overthinking is this belief, uh, not by accident, that we've all grown up in, seeped in, is that the employer has all the power, right? And that you as a job seeker are, are adjusting yourself to fit their needs. And of course, there is some element of that where you want to demonstrate, hey, I can fit in with what you guys have going on here. Like Pampers, you guys sell diapers. I'm not going to come in here talking about how I sell sunglasses, right? Like that type of thing. (laughs) But but I think there's so much fear around, I can't be myself. I can't um, talk about the things I'm passionate about. I can't pursue a career that I'm interested in because, you know, these factors outside of me have a bigger say in where I'm going than I do. And I, I wish that more candidates could flip that a little bit and look at themselves as the driver of their career and understanding just as much as you're sitting in an interview an interview across from somebody and they're assessing you, you need to be assessing them as well. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's interesting. I've brought this up in therapy many times. In my personal life, rejection is 
brutal. But for some reason, when it came to professional atmospheres, I don't know why I took a more analytical approach to it, but I just thought a hundred people are probably going out for this job. Now I know it's usually more than that. The odds really aren't in my favor. I cannot take it personally, but I do know if I am picked, I don't want to be fake. So I might as well be myself up front. Obviously a more polished version. I'm not going to show up with like a four loco in hand and be like, I'm the bitches, but it's, um, <laughs> it, I don't know why I, why I, I can't apply that to all other areas. I, I like, again, I'm actively working on it, but I think that ended up serving me because I just thought here I am. And if you like it, we'll make it work. And if you don't, okay. Cause you were going to figure out that these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses. I remember my dad, trying to coach me on what to say for my weaknesses. And he's like, you should say you're a perfectionist. I'm like, but that's a crock of shit. Like, I am not dead. at all. <laughs> so I, and I don't recommend people saying that a it's overused, but B I think you can actually tell a much richer story. If you do say what your weakness is, how you received that feedback, or perhaps you figured it out on your own, telling a story of, applying that feedback, getting better at it. And where have you come since then? I know I got feedback about um, executive presentations. I used to want to tell a novel and my manager was like, these people have the attention span of a nap. Okay. You got like 30 (laughs) seconds, girl. Mm -hmm. Use more graphics, less words. (laughs) And so that's what I would talk about in an interview. Um, But if you, what is something you think a candidate should remember as they go into a phone interview, even before they go into like the final interview? I think just kind of in the vein of what you're talking about is detaching yourself from any specific outcome, just in general, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, this is by no means a new con, this is like straight from Buddhism, right? Like this is, (laughs) this is, (laughs) this is not new. I am not coining it, but I do think it's important to to just really, as you said, like you're looking at things analytically when you're job searching. I mean, you're up against so many factors as far as like who is applied, what's the the job, what's the HR manager's mood that day when they're looking at your resume? Yeah. Has someone just told them bad news and now they're grumpy? Mm-hmm. You know, what's everyone's schedule look like? Are they going to be able to get you in? And you're, de- I mean, you're dealing with human beings, right? And so there's there's some element of like you can do what you can do. And it is very important to just to not view any part of the job searching process as a reflection on your worth, your value, your skills, because you're the same candidate from place to place and you're still going to get a job. You know you're going to. And so it's it's really not a reflection of the skills that are inherent to you. It is a it's a a combination of, you know, the things that you're putting out and also what someone else is able to receive. I love what you said. It, it's really interesting. It reminds me of this TikTok I recently saw, which is like, there's a thousand versions of you out in the world. Just like you, Aaron, receive me in one way. My husband receives me in another way, which I was thinking about that before this call, which is basically there's a thousand of, of us living in so many different dimensions, which is wild. But <laughs> what you just said is so real because even as a recruiter, sometimes we have had a a player, we want to hire them tomorrow, and then a budget gets cut. This just recently happened to me. We lost an internal client, or excuse me, we lost a client who 
we made a lot of money from. So we had to put a hiring freeze on and it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with the candidates. And one girl reached back out really respectfully, but she, she thought I was selling her a story and she's like, no, seriously, like what's my feedback? I'm like, no, like this is truly a, our budgets are just up in the air right now. Um, and it had it truly had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And I think companies, you know, when they're hiring, this is a prime time to look at like, oh, this big pot of, you know, quote unquote funding just opened up, like let's pause and assess. You see this a lot in places where there's high turnover. It's just like, there's this constant reassessment. And honestly, you probably did that person a favor and that company did, you know, by by just sharing transparently, like, hey, they're looking at budget cuts because you as a candidate can then take that in and be like, okay, what does this tell me about the place that I'm looking at? Does that, is that in line with where I want to be or not. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And one thing I want to like switch gears and ask you about is some more job hunting tips, especially with the great resignation coming around the corner. What do you feel like are your three favorite job hunting tips and or advice for candidates? Sure. Uh, So number one, my like number one in life and in job searching is you have to commit to just radical honesty with yourself. Uh, it has to be before you touch a, a typewriter, to sit down, not a typewriter, obviously, we're not in the 1840s, but before you sit down to do your resume <laughs> or your cover letter, you have to identify what it is you're looking for. And I mean, deeper than like, oh, I want to help people because kind of like you were just saying, there's, there's so many different ways to be received as a person. There's so many ways to interpret, I want to help people, right? For me, that's wanting to help women uncover the things that are exciting for them so they can pursue a career that they want. But for somebody else, it might be, I want to help my team excel and hit their numbers. And so those two different skills are different. And so I'm not, I'm not talking about just sit down and do a five minute inventory. Like really, I mean, ideally you're probably going to want to talk with somebody and I don't mean like a therapist, but literally like do a sounding board with somebody, a friend, family, trusted third party, uh, coach, you know, any any entity that can kind of give you that sounding board to to identify what are the things that are actually driving me in my life and what is most important to me. So that's my number one. So number two is when I work with clients, we I like to aim for the three S's, right? You're going to be selective, you're going to be developing a strategy, and you're going to create a system right? So for selective, you're drastically decreasing the number of roles that you're applying for. You're protecting yourself from burnout. That's like number one is you want to make sure that you're healthy enough to like continue doing all the things that you need to be doing. Plus job searching. We don't ever want it to feel like it's actually a full-time job on top of your other life priorities, even if work is not one of them. So you're, you're being selective about where you're applying. Two, you're developing a strategy to get in front of the places that you care about. Um, so much of, and maybe you can relate to this, so much of career coaching, I feel like you look and, and people are telling you, you must do X, you must do Y, and this is the only way forward. And the fact is, if, I, if I'm if i not comfortable networking, yes, I can absolutely learn it. It is a skill, 100%. But there may also be different uses of my time. So it's kind of weighing those, what feels good to you. So developing a strategy that feels good to you. And then that third S, create a system. Uh, I... Don't love personality tests, but if there was a personality test that was like, this type of person is an efficiency person, I would be that person. So I just, I'm always looking for ways to, to make things a little bit 
quicker and faster and easier. And so if you can do things like time block, if you can batch your activities based on, okay, Mondays, I'm doing outreach for, um, for informational interviews. Tuesdays, I'm looking for new positions. Wednesdays, I'm scheduling outreach for these positions that I found. Um, just any way to develop a systems where you can know when you sit down, this is what I'm doing today. And it also has the added bonus of like, you're protecting your time and your sense of the value of the work that you're putting in, right? You don't have to discount it because you know, hey, on Mondays, I said I was going to focus on those informational interviews. I've done that today. And I can leave this chair and this laptop knowing that I put in my work for the day. And I don't have to feel bad that I'm not seeing the results. What advice do you have for a client or a candidate who has recently been rejected, ghosted, or just left on red? Well, I think first you have to start with, it sucks to be rejected. Like it does not feel good. It never starts feeling good. Like maybe you develop a little bit of a, like a, an emotional callus and it kind of <laughs> like <laughs> whatever slides off you easier, but it's still, the fact is it's never going to feel good. And so accepting that and feeling your feelings. I remember applying for this job that I was convinced was like the job and I didn't get it. And I got to the final two. I had what I thought was a fabulous final interview. I really felt like this is my place and I didn't get it. And, you know, it's okay to feel sad about that. Yeah. I think what comes after that is, is really up to you and you get to decide, okay, you know, I'm going to, what I would do with a client is walk them through kind of like a postmortem. What felt really good to you about the way you carried yourself in that interview? What do you want to bring to future interviews? What did you like about that job that you want to continue to pursue? Because you can learn something there. And it's it feels like woo-woo and shitty to be like, you can always learn something. But, <laughs> but, like, but I think it's important to choose actively like how you're going to respond to that, right? So like feel your feelings and then choose what you're going to take from it, if anything. And you don't have to take anything, but it is an opportunity if you want it to be. I want to pause and really embrace what you said about you can look back and still be like, what did you like about the way you carried yourself? Or mm -hmm. that's really brilliant. Um, Because I'll do a postmortem with people who are leaving companies, but I don't know that I've even thought to really ask such a thoughtful question when somebody's had an interview um, or an interview that they thought went really well. Usually things go bad. You know, it's, it's easier yeah. than, <laughs> to be like, well. And you're always doing the postmortem. You're like, yeah. okay. <laughs> no, but when things go well, I think that's, it's yeah. important because we so very, and especially women, right? Like if I can, can I tell you a story really quick? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So when I was very first starting to do this, I was, you know, I had graduated undergrad. I was working in my master's and I was sending out applications to try to get the, a job that I knew was going to be fulfilling. I was in my very first role. Obviously, it was my very first role. Everyone knows how they'll go. They're not like usually the most fulfilling. And this no. one certainly wasn't. So, so I was looking for my next job and I was getting like really good responses. And so other folks started to ask me like, hey, can you help me with this? And so there's such a stark difference and I know this is backed up from data. I'm probably going to sound like a broken record, but I lived in a group house and one of my male roommates knocked on my door and said, hey, there's a, this man was a nurse and he wanted to apply for a bio, uh, bio firm out in Silicon Valley, a biotech firm. 
This man had no tech experience. There wasn't even a job opening. We wrote a cover letter and a resume and he moved out two months later because they offered him a job. What? Yeah. Yeah. But, but the women that I work with are like, oh, I don't even know if I should ask questions in the interview. I should just be grateful to be there. And I'm not mad at them because we, you know, are seeped in this stew of misogyny that we're all just breathing in every day. It's like, (laughs) you can't ask questions and how dare you? And you're just a bitch if you even dare to assert yourself. So, so there's such a, there's such a difference there. And so the way this connects back is like, for women, I think it's especially important that when something goes well, you take a moment and pause and say, hey, this made me feel really good. Like, not just how I think others perceived me, although that, of course, that can be a part of it, but like, what did I get from that? And how can I bring that elsewhere in my life? And I think, so I, that's the that's the main thing I wanted to shout there. You know, Erin, um, I just realized I did not get that third tip from you. So let's, you're just dropping oh. gems left and right. <laughs> so let, let me get that third gem from you from earlier. Okay. Okay. Um, tip number three is to stay curious. And I think one of the things I hear from clients all the time is I just, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what career is right from me for me. I just feel lost. And, you know, you can say like, I have these skills in this area, And I think that that's all I can do. And so it's really easy to kind of box yourself in. So the last tip I have is to really to challenge that, to push back against that, and to just follow your curiosity where it's going to lead you, right? And that usually is going to involve talking to people, not in a, not in a like, hey, get me a job way, but in a like, how are you going to understand these different roles and what's out there if you're not talking with people about the, the ins and outs of what their job actually looks like? right? There's so much out there. The world is so large. (laughs) We are so small. (laughs) And there are, in our capitalist society, so many jobs. And so you can, you you really can. I mean, I, I believe that there are jobs out there that each of us would excel at and, and love and feel fulfilled by that we're not even aware exist. And a key part of, of, of eventually finding it is to follow your curiosity. And I also I think this applies to your career too, because you get in a job and you're like, okay, this is it. But you can't allow that curiosity to to turn off. You really have to be checking in with yourself on at least like a quarterly basis, right? Where you're like, hey, does this still work for me? Maybe I want to try like something else. And you you start making those things happen. And that I think also helps you not feel desperate down the line because you know you're always making these inroads to understand where you can go next. And you, as you were talking, it reminded me, and it's just almost serendipitous that we both have the exact same major, but I think a lot of us feel that pressure to stay in something that we got our degree in if we did get a degree. And I know I felt that pressure and also thinking that I'm 20, I was 25 when I switched industries from advertising to HR. And I remember being like, but I'm 25. So much time's gone by. And, and it's truly like, as cheese ball as this will sound, it is truly never too late, especially when you are in your 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as you think when you're mid 20s, you, you think everything um, has to be set in stone. But I also think one of the biggest, and this goes back to you 
saying that like we do, we send kids off to college and then we feel responsible for the decisions that we've made at 16, 17, 18, 19. And you are allowed to grow past those. And also Hmm. you would be shocked what comes up. I thought for years, I was like, okay, well, that was a waste of money. My journalism degree. Now I have a podcast and I'm not saying that I'm doing, you know, um, international journalism or anything, but a lot of it all came back because at the end of the day, what I loved was telling stories and listening to stories. And by the grace of someone above, I just was born into a time when podcasting is a thing. So, so I mean, there's still time for you to win a Pulitzer. So, (laughs) you know what, girl, I'm gonna claim that energy. Let me claim If Bob Dylan can do it, you can do it. I mean, he didn't win for podcasting, but you get me, right? Oh, I do. And with that, it has been such a treat to have you on. You were able to share so much wisdom. Um, Now, I really recommend everyone go follow you on Instagram and book a session with you. You have so many options, even if you just want someone to look over your resume to negotiation packages, but where can people keep up with you and where can people find out more about your services? Yeah. So right now I live primarily on Instagram. I'm working on a website, but you know, I'm a little, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So these things are taking, you know, 18 times longer than they need to, (laughs) but I'm, so I'm working on it, but yeah, Instagram, uh, if you go to my handle, it's talking shop with Aaron. Don't feel like we need to spell it. Do you feel like we need to spell no, it? No, no. All those words in one little, one little <laughs> handle. Um, yeah. So talking shop with Aaron. I'm posting, you know, two to three times a week. I'm in my stories very consistently. Yeah. But um, there's a link in my bio. You can can. No, I actually have a I have a selfish selfish question. How yeah. do you do all of your content? Like, because I know you don't have a social media manager. So nope. How do you, like, do you just, like, knock it out on a Sunday and just post through the week? No, I actually do it on a piece-by-piece basis. Um, I really try to, I try to keep it, I mean, obviously, it's something that I'm still learning. It's evolving. The account is still very new. Um, Just in my personal life, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I think, as you can, I mean, maybe tell from listening to this, I, like, have a lot of issues with our economic system and certainly the media. So, like... Not a huge fan of what Mark Zuckerberg has going over there, but <laughs> from a business perspective, it's a free marketing tool. So here I am. Um, but I do try to, all this to say, it's it's new for me, but I'm I'm trying to educate and also balance with, you know, how can I how can I connect with folks and share these struggles that I know are super common for for folks who didn't go to college or for people who are feeling lost in their careers, and so. Yeah, it's it's just me and my Canva, honestly. Like it's <laughs> it's quite an adventure. Wait, hold on. If you ever put out a business book, and if you don't, I'll take the title because a girl in her Canva, a tale right. of a girl in her Canva. Amen. I I love it. So let's hop into the rapid fire. I have four questions for you, and the first one is: When was a time, either professionally or personally? That you realize the right thing and the hard thing were the same. Yeah, I actually experienced this a couple of years ago now where I was in a, a job in a company that I, I mean, I loved the mission of this organization. I was 
just like hook, line, and sinker, this job was made for me. I was leading a department. I was in charge of strategic communications and fundraising. I was like really just obsessed with the ins and outs of the job. And unfortunately, I was in an environment like so many folks are experiencing and have experienced where it was just straight up toxic. Like boss was texting me at 530 in the morning, asking where I was, upset with me if I didn't answer. Like my boyfriend, I think in the best description of this time in my life was like, I literally went nine months just hearing you constantly typing. It was like, you never stopped. And all I remember from that time is you just constantly typing. Because I was literally, I was working like 16, 17 hour days. It was awful. And it was also the job where I was getting paid the most. And as somebody who, you know, is like, is doing that first gen thing where you're like, Mm -hmm. I got to make it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Really? It's, it's, it was so hard for me. And also just as someone who's self-directed and has been able to achieve the things that I wanted to, very hard to admit to myself that, you know what, this is not something I can make better. And so making that hard choice to say, I don't know what's going to happen when I leave here, but I need to leave. Uh, and what happened was they came back and were like, we'll give you a $20,000 raise and we promise to leave you alone. And oh, I, yeah, right. No, <laughs> I don't believe you. Also, where was this money three months ago when I asked for it? <laughs> so now, girl, that's a whole nother episode. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. oh, man. Yeah, I I once heard if it costs you your if it costs you your piece, um, it's too expensive. So that's right. And then we actually got to talk a little bit about celebrating big and small wins for clients. But how do you love to celebrate big and small wins in your life? I love to, I guess I love to disconnect when I'm like really celebrating so I can savor something. I'm somebody who's like, my mind is constantly, I have serious anxiety. So I'm just constantly like all the time. And so finding ways, whether that's, you know, for me, it's getting out on any kind of water. I have a little inflatable kayak. Um, So trying to get out on the river or just being in nature, being around people I love, even, I mean, even just being over the table. Have you ever heard that that song? Um, I think it's by the High Women. It talks about like I want a house with a crowded table. Ah, oh, no, I don't. know. It's a beautiful song. song. I mean, if you're not if you're not into like country country music, maybe don't give it a go. But it's it's a great <laughs> album. Anyway, so I think about this all the time, and the the thing that gives me the most joy is that idea of a crowded table and looking around and seeing, you know, these are the people that I love that support me, and this is my community, and this is who pours into me, and I pour into them, and so having a chance to to connect with them is like, this is the best way to celebrate because you're multiplying your joy, right? You're like sharing it around. It's amazing. I love that. And that really, like those really are the memories you end up remembering and reminiscing on Mm -hmm. for years to come. So I love, I love that. And what is the one thing about wealth management and or business that few people know, but you wish everyone knew? Oh man. I mean, I have a couple for like if you're if you're on the outside of a a business and you're approaching a business, like be nice to them. <laughs> people just like, yeah. why why can't I why can't I do this thing for why won't you give me this thing for free? And it's like, well, because yeah. I'm one person trying to make a life. <laughs> um, oh, I don't come now to your that job and, is yeah. a 
whole different conversation. Yeah. But, so I think yeah. when, you know, when you're approaching service providers, like keeping in mind that this is their livelihood and like they're trying to have the same stability that you have, however else you get it, they're trying to do it. This is their way. So like you have to respect that. Um, but if you're behind the scenes and you're like, oh, I want to manage my wealth or I want to start a business, I think something I wish I had done is just start sooner. Yeah. It's like you, not that it's ever too late, but you find that once you start it, like it is really, it's very difficult, but it's so fulfilling. And I feel like I'm learning so much about myself and I'm learning so much about other folks that that are in connection to me. It's just, it's been incredibly fulfilling. So I would say just start whatever, just start sooner. <laughs> I love that. I I completely agree, and I think we a lot of us have heard the stats of if you save fifty dollars, if when you're starting at twenty, oh it'll gosh. be this amount of money. And yeah, yeah, it's just even if it's a little bit, start sooner. You'll never regret. No, sooner. Absolutely so. not. My final question for you, Aaron, is complete this sentence for me: the best way to handle a toxic work environment is to blank. The best way to handle a toxic work environment is to stay very close to who you know you are and protect the things that you know about yourself, whether that's I'm a person of integrity, I am a person who has boundaries, I am a person who values time with my loved ones, time away from work, time to be creative, time to think. Uh, If you stay in touch with that, I think the things that come after that get easier. It's when you it's when you start getting sucked into that environment and you think and speaking from experience, like, Oh, I can fix this or I can, I can make this better. Or, I can be the one in the room who's not doing the thing. And I'll be an example. Like girl, no, you can't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's toxic for a reason. Everyone is in the sludge. Yes. Oh, yeah. it's like um, those bad relationships where you're like, but I can inspire him to change. Ooh. I can inspire him to fix his issues. No, ma'am. No, you cannot. No, ma'am. Okay. You cannot. And even if you could, you're worth more than trying. Like, your time is more valuable than that. uh, Producer Jordan, please put in a soft golf (laughs) clap in the back because that's perfect. Well, Erin, thank you so much for being here. By the way, um, when we get to hang out in person, I am not outdoorsy, but I love kayaking. So you can take me out on that inflatable kayak. I'll paddle. Good, because I just sit back. A bitch gets you tired. Don't have to do anything. That's right. <laughs>